Hello, hello. Welcome one and welcome all to the Around the World podcast. I am your host, the one, the only, Clark Van Deventer. Uh, by, by the way, I think I can say that, right? If, if your name is Ryan Williams or Sally Smith, <laughs> right? There's, there's probably a bunch of Ryan Williams or Sally Smiths in this world or a bunch of Muhammad Ali's for that matter. Right, like it, there's there's the Muhammad Ali, which by the way, even saying that, like it's like which one, right? Because if you're from the United States, the Muhammad Ali you think of is the boxer, but if you go to Cairo, the Muhammad Ali that people talk about isn't the boxer, um, and I'm pretty sure that Muhammad is the most common Muslim name. I'm I'm pretty sure of that fact. Um, I'm pretty sure, quite confident. Muhammad is the most common male name. For Muslims, um, and I'm pretty sure I, I could I I would put money on the fact that I think Ali is at least the top three most common Muslim surname. So there's got to be a lot of Muhammad Ali's in this world. Okay, now how confident am I that I'm the one and only Clark Van Deventer? I'm quite okay. I can't no certainty, but I'm quite confident. Quite confident. The one, the only Clark Van Deventer. Anyway, welcome to the podcast. Uh, this week we are going to Paraguay. More on that in a minute. All right, for almost three years now. Wow. Next, uh, next in just a few weeks, I'll hit my three-year anniversary. Um, teaching a weekly class at outschool.com called Around the World with Mr. Clark. All right, each week we visit a new country. We learn some basic facts like what's the capital, what's the predominant language, predominant religion, who are its neighbors, stuff like that. All right. But then we talk about what it'd be like to actually visit that place. We look at it in VR. Uh, we look at some pictures. We do some screen sharing, all that kind of stuff. Now, on the podcast, you don't get the VR. You just get the soothing sound of my voice. But I hope that you have fun learning about these places with me. All right. The, the class, uh, one person said it was like Bill Nye, the science guy for social studies. That's kind of fun. Um, or I've often thought about it. If you know Anthony Bourdain, Parts Unknown with Anthony Bourdain, it's kind of like the kid version. <laughs> A little more um, kid-friendly version of Parts Unknown with Anthony Bourdain. Um, anyway, Paraguay. All right. So here's my question for you. My question for you is, do you know, do you, do you know anyone who has been to Paraguay? Or like, have you been to Paraguay? Do you know anyone who's been to Paraguay? Because I don't. I don't know anyone who's been to Paraguay. And that's saying something. Like seriously, as I'm a traveler, I value travel. I interact with travelers and people who value travel, people who've been to lots of different countries. I used to have a travel blog. I was a content creator in this space. I was in private Facebook groups with lots of other travelers and expats and digital nomads and travel bloggers. And I I don't know anyone who's ever been to Paraguay. And, and typically when I'm getting ready for class, 
every week and I think about the country that we're going to go to, I usually ask myself, who do I know who's either been there or maybe even lived there or maybe even from there? And I will typically reach out to those people to try to get some, some tips or pointers or things that I have to share with my students. But I don't know anyone who's ever been to Paraguay. So if you've been to Paraguay, I would love to hear from you. But the fact that I could not think of a single person, I could not think of a single person who had been to Paraguay, it got me thinking. I'm just like, well, uh, how many people go to Paraguay every year, right? And the answer is less than a million people. All right, less than a million people visit Paraguay every year. Um, now think about it. Like, who goes to Paraguay? Like, if, you, if you're going to go to South America, Think about who you know who's been to South America or why you would want to go to South America. Um, you want to go to Rio de Janeiro, right? When I when I think of South America, one of the first things I think of, if you just said, Clark, close your eyes and think of South America, one of the first images that would come to mind would be the Christ the Redeemer statue that sits high atop Rio de Janeiro. So when I think of, okay, close my eyes and just keep thinking, right? It's like, okay, Christ the Redeemer in Rio. I think about the Amazon. I think about Patagonia. I think about the Andes. I think about Galapagos, Charles Darwin. Um, these are the reasons people go to South America, right? Machu Picchu. None of these things are in Paraguay. So I Googled, I just did a Google search can't miss sites in Paraguay. An article came up. It was 17 can't miss sites in Paraguay. I looked at the list. I <laughs> I, I don't think I'd mind missing them. <laughs> like, um, all right. Tourism accounts for less than 1% of Paraguay's GDP. Uh, only Suriname and Guyana in South America get fewer tourists. Um, now, do I want to go? Do, do I want to go to... Okay, I said 17 can't miss sites in Paraguay. I think I can miss them. But do I want to go to Paraguay? Of course I do. There's not a place on planet Earth I don't want to go. I value a wide variety of life experiences. And while it may not be iconic, it may not be Machu Picchu or the Great Wall of China... It is unique. There's a unique culture. Like I would love to walk in the towns to eat the food, to talk with people, to get to know the place. All right, so um, let's talk food. All right, Sopa Paraguaya. Sopa. Um, how's your Spanish? <laughs> sopa. You know what Sopa is? My Spanish is pretty bad despite having lived in Guatemala. Um, but sopa means, okay, I know that one. Sopa means soup. Sopa Paraguaya. Um, famous dish, and that's not surprising to me. Lots of Latin cultures. It seems, as I've traveled around Latin America, it seems that lots of Latin cultures have some famous soup. All right, in Guatemala, it was pepion. Like, oh, I could go for some pepion right now. But when I hear this sopa paraguaya, I think it's probably similar to pepion. It's it's chicken soup with a twist. Or that that's not what sopa paraguaya is. It's not even soup. It's basically cornbread 
flavored with cheese and onions. All right, the story goes, the dish was created by the chef who cooked for the president. All right, he wanted to make a hearty soup. So he added some corn flour. The flour got away from him. He ended up with cornbread. So today, <laughs> sopa paraguaya is one of the national dishes of the country. It's a staple, like every special occasion, you're going to have sopa paraguaya there. Um, and it's actually eaten with soup or barbecue. Um, it's it's cornbread. It's what it is. It's a very common breakfast or afternoon snack. Um, if you want a traditional soup, okay, bori bori. Bori bori is what you want to order for a traditional soup. Um, now, language in Paraguay. All right, you probably, what would you guess? Predominant language of Paraguay is, you guessed Spanish, didn't you? Um, Spanish is an official language, but it's one of two official languages. And most people in Paraguay speak Spanish as a second language. The first language, the primary language of most people in Paraguay, the language that they speak at home, the language that they learned from when they were in the cradle is Guarani, which is an indigenous language. All right. So Bori Bori, right? That's the soup that you want to order. In Guarani, Bori means good. All right. So uh, the name of this soup, Bori Bori, <laughs> like, what do you want for lunch? I want good, good, <laughs> right? Bori Bori literally translates good, good. It's a soup so good, they had to say it twice. Um, now, this dish, Bori Bori, is your typical chicken soup with a twist, all right? It has dumplings made with cornmeal and Parmesan. And it looks, it looks Bori Bori. All right, good, good. So, um, Gorani, this is an onomatopoeia language. An onomatopoeia language. You know what an onomatopoeia language is? Right? It's a language that is based on mimicking the sounds of nature. All right, so you know, uh, no doubt, you know some onomatopoeias in English, all right? Um, animal noises such as oink, meow, roar, chirp, right? Like these are words that actually mimic the sounds of nature. So um, this is a whole language built on like mimicking the sounds of nature. Um, and Guarani is not really spoken anywhere outside of Paraguay. Uh, it's rare enough that if you go to Google Translate, Google Translate will translate it, but only in the written form. I, I often will do this, um, even in class, where I'll, I'll pull up Google Translate, and there's a little button you can click so you can actually hear it, right? It'll speak it for you. Google Translate won't do that. It's, it's a rare enough language that Google will translate it, but not speak it. Um, you, you can go to YouTube and and listen to people speak Gorani or translate Gorani. Um, it's just different. Um, it has 30, the alphabet has 33 letters and six very nasally um, sounding vowels. All right, anyway, um, let's get back to this question of where Paraguay ranks in terms of tourism. All right, so way down the list, right? Uh, because... Um, and then just getting ready for class this week, 
um, asking this question, how many people go to Paraguay? It got me on this rabbit trail. So uh, what's the most visited country in the world? Can you guess that? The most, if Paraguay is way down the list and less than a million people a year go there, what would be the number one most visited country in the world? Think about it. Number one most visited country in the world. The answer, are you in Europe? Are you in Europe? The answer is France. About 90 million tourists a year visit France. Number two surprised me. Spain, all right? It's it's not that like Spain's not worth visiting or that I didn't expect Spain would be up there. I was just surprised it was number two. Um, I was surprised it was above Italy, for example, which comes in at number five. Um, the U.S. comes in at three, China at four. So you've got um, France, Spain, the U.S., China, Italy. Those will be the top five most visited countries in the world. Uh, the most visited country in South America. Think about this. The most visited country in South America. Did you guess the same thing I guessed? I guessed the most visited country in South America is, well, I guessed Brazil and I was wrong. It's Argentina. All right. Now, if I, okay, okay, I can believe that. Um you got Patagonia, you got the Andes, it's the jumping off point for Antarctica. So I'm okay. I'm not I'm not shocked, but I guess Brazil first. Uh, Argentina is number 1, Brazil is number 2. Uh Paraguay has about 7 million people. All right, so that would make Paraguay about equal in population to the Bay Area, San Francisco Bay Area in California, or about equal in population to the state of Washington or the state of Arizona. Um, all right, the other thing we talked about this week, the Paraguayan War. It's also known as the War of the Triple Alliance. Now, that just sounds very ominous, <laughs> right? Like, you're Paraguay, you're little Paraguay, and you're fighting a war against the Triple Alliance. This, this does not sound promising. Uh, it's a your Paraguay and you're fighting a war against all three of your neighbors, Argentina, Brazil, and Uruguay. And Paraguay started it. Okay. War takes place between 1864 and 1870. It's the bloodiest, deadliest battle in the history of South America. 1870, finally, Brazilian forces catch up with the Paraguayan leader, Marshal Francisco Solano Lopez shot him. He's killed on the first day of March, 1870. His final words, I die with my homeland. Although I'm sure he would have said it in Guarani. Um, Marshal Francisco Solano Lopez, uh, however, is not the only person to die. Uh, get ready for these numbers. Are you listening? All right. As a result of this war, the war of the Triple Alliance, the Paraguayan War, the deadliest bloodiest battle in the history of South America. Two-thirds, two-thirds of the Paraguayan population dies. Two-thirds of its population dead. 90%, 90% of its male population dead. It's like, this is like, Wow. All right, the economic fallout and, and the psychological fallout from this war continues. 
to this day, 150 years later, um, there's still just sort of this like lingering hangover from this very devastating war. Uh, Paraguay was forced to cede territory. Um, Today, 85% of land um, in Paraguay is controlled by 2% of the population. Large portions of that land are controlled by Brazilian interests. Uh, This is not a country that you would call economically prosperous. Uh, The capital city, Asuncion, is said to be the least expensive capital city in the world to live in or visit. Uh, And Paraguay has a very, very, very devalued currency. So the Paraguayan War or the War of the Triple Alliance, wiping out two-thirds of its population, 90% of its male population, uh, by the way, a student asked, like, is it still, no, 150 years later, the numbers have evened out. It's basically 50% male, 50% female today in Paraguay. All right, that's it for Paraguay. Uh, I am taking some time off from teaching over the holidays. After the first of the year, our next country will be Uruguay. Uh, and by the way, remember to check out my classes on OutSchool. Of course, I have... Uh, the class that inspired this podcast, Around the World with Mr. Clark, that meets weekly every Tuesday. You can sign your kids up for that class. It's a weekly class, meets every Tuesday. I have four different time slots available on Tuesdays where your students who are between the ages of about 9 to 13 can take that class. Um, They're live classes that meet on Zoom, and then the kids have access to VR and some other cool features. The classes are super fun. On Wednesdays, I teach another class called Around the USA. It's just like Around the World, only it's Around the USA. We visit a different U.S. state every week. And in January, I have a few one-time classes coming up. Uh, one, I teach some early American history. In a, and it's a really fun one-time class. If you have any, any students, if you have any kids you know who are into Hamilton, the musical Hamilton, I teach a one-time class. It's it's just fun. It's from the perspective why Alexander Hamilton is better than Thomas Jefferson. That's what the class is called. We listen to some tracks from the musical Hamilton, and I explain the history behind the music. Um, I'm also starting two five-week courses. I have a class. It's a five-week history of the Cold War. This would be appropriate for kids who are, oh, I don't know, 12, 13, 14, uh, 15. Uh, five-week history of the Cold War. I have another five-week class, five battles that changed the course of history. And I always tell the students at the beginning of that one, uh, these are not the five most epic battles, although they are epic. These are five battles that were turning points in history. And so you can kind of like learn the history of the past. Well, our first battle is the fall of, of Constantinople. So you, you kind of learn the history of the past 500 years, these turning points, particularly in Western history, um, through these five battles that changed the course of history. All right. You can find all of my classes on my OutSchool profile. Just go to OutSchool.com and search my name because I am the one and only Clark Van Deventer. Or you can go to the link I have in the show notes for this podcast. The bit.ly short link is is. It the you know if you know bitly short links, it's bit.ly bit.ly slash Clark on out school. 
bit.ly, just think bit.ly Clark on Owl School, bit.ly slash Clark on Owl School. All right, that's all I've got for you today. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great day.